This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what's the secret to a good political debate? Former Liberal, former Liberal MP Dan McTagg weighs in and tells us what he would ask of the big debates. Plus, what should we watch for? Some good advice there. Old is new again in the world of video games. Playing Kylo highlights a long-awaited remaster of Alan Wake, classic horror video game, and some imperfect Marvel role-playing mobile games and how awesome they are. Plus free Madden football for your video gamers this weekend. Are you okay with relationship counseling and so much more here on the Shift Daily Podcast? It's time for Are You Okay? Are you okay with relationship counseling? Hmm. Nah. Well, not if I'm not in one. I mean, if I'm in one, sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really need that right now. I probably need other kinds of counseling. Maybe maybe to, like, you know, make me <laughs> a little do. more approachable and personable. But uh, I'm still getting over that Chucky thing. So, yeah, no, I <laughs> relationship counseling now means nothing to me. Uh-oh. What? people exactly <laughs> uh well i only went to i was the guy who did it wrong um i went to relationship counseling when my marriage ended <laughs> not before not before yeah there's not also a, uh, I, I know someone who they weren't even married they've been dating for six months and they went to a counselor and i was like mm, you're supposed to still be in the honeymoon period that might be a red flag. I know. I think it's genius. I think if you can go and you're unable to create the conversation that you love to have and go, go get help to start the conversation. I think that's, I think it's genius of those people to go after six months. If you care about each other, but you can't quite figure it out, that's where you get started. That's neat. I think that's neat. Although I do agree with you. Yeah. A little concerning. Six months. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Every relationship will hit bumps in the road. Sometimes it doesn't work out, and other times it does! Exclamation point. For one couple, it didn't work out. Dot, dot, dot. After 13 years of marriage, they decided a divorce was the right thing to do. It was going pretty smoothly for them and their young daughter. And then they went to court. And that's where the judge ordered that they can't get divorced because the judge thinks they can work it out. Thanks, Dr. Judge. Here's more from Wave 3 News. Would it be beneficial to either of you all if I order you to go to reconciliation counseling, or are you past that? I mean, I would say we're past that. Still, after the hearing, Judge Meredith issues this order, saying the court cannot make the finding at this time that this marriage is irretrievably broken and suggested counseling. Divorce not granted. This is something really no one would have seen coming. Being told to stay with your ex when you both agree that it's over is pretty stunning. Sydney Veek and Dorothy Walsh-Ripka say their clients have been co-parenting effectively, allowing them to be cordial in the courtroom. They think the judge may have mistaken that maturity for love that's no longer there. Usually people are only ordered to go to some form of counseling when they demonstrate that they can't get along and that they need extra help in co-parenting. But here, where everyone's on the same page about most of the issues in the case, that's your, I mean, that's the ideal. That's what you would want out of people. Now the attorneys are trying to fix the situation, filing motions to get the judge to set aside that order and grant the divorce, just like this couple wanted. 
I don't know that she had all of the information. And so once she has all the information, I think that she will have no issue granting the divorce. Not okay with that. No, not okay (laughs) with that. I'm just curious what happens in that judge's courtroom that she sees two people be cordial in court and thinks they must be in love because she constantly probably sees just constant yelling and screaming and terrible divorces. That's awful, man. The order mandated neither party, husband or wife, shall introduce the child to any dating interest until this action is finalized or speak to the child about such a person or relationship or permit any third party to do so. Way offside, man. Now the attorneys are attempting to fix the situation, filing motions to get the judge to set aside her order and grant the divorce like the couple wanted. The attorneys told Wave 3 the news the parties are expected to be back in court on Monday. They've been advised to take separate cars. The, I would, you know what I would do? I'd seriously, like legit, I, this is not a joke. I would actually have my lawyer counter the, the court to pay for the additional lawyer's fees in this case. Yeah, I agree. This is kind of this is kind of crazy. I mean, I I I would I didn't even think that a judge had to agree that the divorce needed to happen. Mm-hmm. I've never heard don't, anything like this before. Uh, ever. Last thing I've checked, the judges are supposed to make sure that all the pieces are done like you've been separated I know here you've been separated for a year. You've gone to the minimums of the co-parenting, counseling, child psychology meeting, whatever it is, right? It's different in every province. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Hey, that's a, what a great way to celebrate the couples that are trying to co-parent and not kill each other. <laughs> no, you have to live together. Yeah. Congratulations. Hey, are you okay? Are you okay with taking big bites? No, I believe in sensibly sized bites. Big bites usually get in trouble and get you in a little trouble with the having to chew and it just, you know, it's, it's not advisable. Uh, Brendan it's, Kelly is wrong. looking to be uh, all responsible. I still get in trouble from my dad. Still, I am almost 25 years old and almost every meal I've ever had with my father, he has gone, Ryan, don't eat so fast. It used well, to not matter, but now I now I when I get I like when I'm really food. just I because I do eat food that I love to eat and I will mm-hmm. inhale it. And if I go too yeah. long in the day and I'm hungry, it's like gone. Sometimes it's just too good. Ryan, for example, does this with Big Macs, as he likes to call them, two bite brownies. Mm-hmm. What should five? What should be five or six bites becomes three, or in the case of one here on. Case of a heron, heron, like the bird, heron. Yeah. Okay. Like a heron. Yeah, heron. Mm. Okay. Heron. I don't know. We were talking about Big Macs, then we went to birds. Yeah, it's weird. I misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. Or in one case, a what, Brendan? A heron. A heron in New York City. The Great Blue. What was it called? A heron. Was filmed dunking a large New York City rat in the Central Park Pond before stuffing its rodent prey headfirst into its gullet and gobbling it whole, tail and all. The big honkin' rat, a big honkin' rat, but the... What? Uh, the heron. That would be heron. Mouth was bigger. <laughs> what have we done? This is CNN's Genie Moss. 
The video was posted to Manhattan Bird Alert, a Twitter account described as your soothing source for nature photos. Soothing? The heron may have speared the rat, then drowned it. Dunked it a bit. They like to dunk in the water the stuff that they eat so that it goes down more quickly and easily. Rats being rats, they get little sympathy. Sure, late night, once celebrated pizza rat. The internet blew up over this video. Pizza rat even inspired pizza rat man. Someone tweeted philosophically, rat eats pizza, heron eats rat, the New York City circle of life. As for how this moment stacked up for David Barrett, the man who captured it. Oh, right at the top. This was exciting. Oh, someone noted Sylvester Stallone did it first. This is a rapper. There was one part of the Heron video that seemed to get everybody. The tail, though. It's like slurping down spaghetti. It is a shocking video. Like, just to see this bird nonchalantly inhale a rat the way I inhale a Big Mac. I imagine your Big Mac has a tail now. Give it a few um, years. We'll be eating rat burgers. Great blue herons typically eat fish, but sometimes also prey on other creatures like turtles, salamanders, snakes, and yes, rats and mice. Who knew? Oh my God. This is the Shift Podcast. Coming up tonight is going to be the federal election English debate. And that's going to be the big one. That's that's kind of the big one that everybody needs to see. This is where all of the big topics are supposed to be taken care of. Now, I do have questions because the French language debate has happened, plus the Quebec debate. And with that, former liberal MP Dan McTagg joins me to talk about the election and all things with AffordableEnergy.ca. Well, Dan, here we are getting our uh, fancy suits on, our nice, handsome ties and heading out to the podiums to stand and battle it out like um, double pronged tongue gladiators. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like we're going to be heading down that uh, uh, end of the end of the line to an election that most people, uh, you know, didn't think we needed. And uh, for many uh, has gone has gone by and. Blink of an eye. Um, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, given that most of us have only started to get back into the swing of things as of yesterday, um, you know, it really comes down to less than a two-week campaign. Uh, but I think, of course, uh, polemics and the the, the niceties and uh, the debates and the cut and thrust of debates. We haven't had uh, a knockout punch debate probably since 1984. Uh, as a liberal, I would argue it was 1988 when Turner got back at Mulroney. But that aside. Um, you know, there was really never been that kind of situation where uh, someone has actually decisively defeated another and changed the course of an election in a very, very long time. Um, I can be surprised, um, but not likely that uh, it's going to help the incumbent, uh, who I think uh, really needs to come out in a way that we've never seen before and uh, is going to have to be able to wash off all the stains of uh, of. Um, of a, of a government that has had a lot of trouble uh, and much of it uh, of its own making uh, as it's gone into this campaign. But I think, of course, the big question for many is we're having an election, uh, you know, on uh, uh, the 20th. Uh, so in a mere 12 days from now, um, I don't think anybody's come up with a reason why. 
other than the fact that, yeah, we all like elections and we all like to have be consulted. Um, we know that this is done very cynically. And for the Liberals, uh, uh, the polls are not strong. Um, that's probably not important to them. It's the internal polls, the ones that really aren't uh, varnished uh, that, uh, mm-hmm. that are going to be problematic for them. So the five themes in alphabetical order, they say they're alphabetical <laughs> order, um, but I don't really take that to be the case. Affordability, climate, COVID, leadership and accountability, and reconciliation. Now, of course, if you went accountability and leadership, that would be number one on the alphabetical list. So let's just pretend that that's probably not an alphabetical list. What do you, Dan McTagg, put in priority as we've seen so far in this uh, from, I guess, the Canadians versus the leaders of those five? Where would you place them? Well, uh, it's going to be said as a bias, but uh, every time I go to a grocery store, I go to fill up. Uh, it seems to me that uh, that tends to be an issue that I can't get around. Uh, I've heard a lot about COVID. Um, I think we're getting around that. Uh, but the economic recovery is important. Um, nice to talk about the environment. That's always out there. But I think that's a distraction. Um, I think the real issue for most people is how are we going to manage at a time in which the price of everything is going to the roof? And it's not just housing. Um, it's the cost of eating. It's the cost of uh, our utility bills. Uh, it is the cost of our transportation bills, and it's the cost of everything going up as a result of inflation. Yes, some of it done because of uh, concerns about uh, the supply chain, but let's uh, let's not be Pollyannish about this. Um, you know, Mr. Trudeau imposed not one but two carbon taxes in the middle of an economic downfall, uh, and for that reason alone, I think it's pretty clear that we don't have much of a choice uh, in in yeah. saying uh, what I think is the priority in this country, and that's. Uh, being able to uh, to make uh, make ends meet, and a lot more Canadians are having difficulty. But don't take my word for it. The largest uh, company involved with uh, bankruptcies, MNP uh, Financial Solutions, uh, points out that uh, we've gone from 45 to 54 percent of Canadians who are less than 200 dollars away from insolvency. So um, I think those are pretty sobering numbers. Those are the people that are going to be voting next week uh, in a week and a half, and those are the people I think for which I have to take into account. They're not hearing a lot of uh, effort at uh, making things better. Now, as a former MP, you've been through all kinds of various debates and experienced them. You know, you've had pretty good profile in Ottawa, too. So when we look at COVID recovery, is that too big of a catch all, do you think? Because there's nothing on here about jobs. There's nothing on here about economy. I mean, affordability and economy are two very different things, even though they constantly dance together. Now, we're going to see the insertion of jobs into affordability. We're going to see the insertion of economy into affordability. We're going to see both of those inserted uh, inserted into COVID recovery. But they're not standalone topics, Dan. And oh. those ones could quite you know, be the, the way that these things should be talked about. Well, they're not standalone, and uh, they are uh, quite pervasive. Um, and I don't think it's going to be easy to to, to focus. Uh, if I were the MP or the uh, partisan player in all this, uh, I would be noting that uh, the resilient recovery, the build back better, uh, the great reset, uh, was already founded on the idea of a green reset, of a great recovery based on green. But we all know that that uh, has done nothing less than remove the green from our pocketbooks with very little to, to show. In fact, I think all of the leaders are going to have to account for the fact that when they talk about net zero uh, in 2050 or reaching our targets in 2030, 
Um, even with the economy that has completely closed down, the reality oh, the is puppies. Sure the dog. Yes. Oh, we love the dogs on the, the show. Dog does. We're trying to get a studio dog. If we could get a studio <laughs> dog, we would be so happy. Yeah. What's, my, what kind of dog, dog do you have here? So, uh, and what dog, kind of dog is it? Though, it's dude? a Boston Terrier. And uh, oh, very cute. Let me see if I can <laughs> wrestle the dog. Oh, there we are. Look this how cute he is. Lola the guard dog. Lola. Lola. <laughs> Hi, Lola. But uh, is she worried about affordability? I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe. Look, I, I think the, for a lot of politicians, um, and if I look at the Liberal Party and others, uh, this is really about a control issue. Um, you've seen a significant amount of uh, obedience to the idea of COVID. Uh, you're seeing uh, government perhaps morph that kind of uh, compliance in terms of uh, the carbon and the climate, uh, you know, uh, alarmism that we're seeing out there. And that, that could be used as a means of saying, show us your papers, how much of a carbon footprint. Um, I'm concerned, obviously, as are, as are others, that there aren't many other parties deviating from that. Um, and so I think when it comes down to affordability, we also have to look at what that really means. Um, are we under the dictates of someone saying, hey, you know, <laughs> like the World Economic Forum has suggested, uh, Carl Schwab, that we are going to live uh, much happier lives by eating less, by having less, by not owning property, uh, and being by and being told what to do and how to think and what to say and what to eat and uh, that kind of thing, you know this this may be a little far down the road, but I I have a feeling that the Liberals uh, and their friends in the NDP uh, and I would say to a large extent the Green uh, have a, a very similar agenda, and that's to force people uh, to uh, obey and to abide and not complain about higher prices. I'm I'm shocked. Because in my time as a member of parliament, you came in with a trendy idea to raise prices for Canadians. You were shown the door at the next election. Don't take my word for it. Ask Joe Clark what happened when he tried to raise uh, gas taxes, 18 cents, 19 cents a gallon. So about four cents a litre. Um, there's a different polity, I think, can play at play here. Uh, and there's only so much uh, the political elite in this country can do to suppress the notion that people finally say, wait a minute, I'm being fleeced by your policies. And your policies are designed to make you guys rich while making folks like me uh, less well off. And so for that reason, I think uh, it is not a tangent. It's very much where I'm planning to see tomorrow. And I'll be watching, of course, to see how the various players dance around the issue of affordability, because a lot of them can talk about it. Um, but, uh, you know, short of housing, which I have some experience in, you want to do something about housing? Release some land in this country. Stop making it so that every blade of grass is, uh, is sacrosanct allow developers to increase the amount of land that they're able to get that will drive down the cost of uh, serviceable land. Uh, but that of course is, uh, is, uh, is unconventional talk. Um, what they're really trying to do is to uh, fit a proverbial camel through the eye of a, a proverbial <laughs> eye of the needle. And I think that's yeah. the problem. You don't, uh, on the housing issue, I'll leave that to the side. Um, my first stint in Ottawa was working for the federal housing minister, responsible for CMHC. And we had 24% interest rates. So we don't go back to those days. Okay. When I talk about affordability, get your act together on serviceable land. Because frankly, people talk about a big deal about affordable housing, but are the very first ones to tell you, oh, no, we can't develop any more land. It's bad for the environment. Well, and that's and that's a good, I'm glad you brought it up. Mostly because of the fact that what gets driven down our throats is take transit, Right. <laughs> And so you can't, which is great. If you want to take transit, that's awesome. I'm not diminishing anything. And this is what I'm going to clarify here is that is we can't, I mean, we know that 
I live in Calgary where the footprint of Calgary is so big. It takes forever to drive from one end to the other. It really does. So there's an awful lot of people that would say, you know, it's already too big, but the housing costs are astronomical. So right. you kind of get into that. So it doesn't, you can't release land and say, take transit. Cause then you got to find it fund the transit. So there's all kinds of things there. You see, I, I just want everyone to start to see where all these things start to intersect and not work. Um, when you, when you force inflation and high prices, you create a society that becomes grateful for the government saving the day. That's a very slippery slope to all kinds of things in history that have been really, really crappy. And I would also say this is that the problem that they're running into is that socialism and communism as a notion didn't have the internet. And there's a reason why that in, in history, uh, controlling the message was so incredibly important. And what do you see what's happening in places that already controlled the message you start to see it. Now, I'm not asserting by any conspiracy theory that there, there are groups that are trying to make this a socialist or a communist thing. I, I don't say that because, frankly, I still say this is socialism and communism already. We are all expected to be the worker bees that go out and do it. The only difference between the old way and the new way is, by the way, you can choose your career. That's the only thing. So I say all these things to make them distinct in that we have to talk about all sides of it, including just saying, you can talk about climate alarmism with still acknowledging that we need to be more responsible in life and make sure that we take care of this planet. So one is screaming from the rooftops with an agenda and no reason. And one is living responsibly and growing forward in a responsible manner for everybody, including taking care of the world. So I just wanted to sort of punctuate all those pieces because you touched on all of them. And we have that collapse of this agenda on that one side, Dan McTagg. We've got this collapse of all those things. Do we have a jambalaya of voters between the liberals, NDP, and who knows where the green voters are going to go this year? Yeah, I think that green is uh, uh, very much, uh, I mean, there's going to be a bleed away from that party. Where did, was it before? Where were the green voters prior to, say, uh, 20, 2008, 2006? They were, some of them were liberal, some of them were conservative, um, a lot were NDP. Um, but, and I think the NDP stands to gain the, the uh uh, the lion's share of those votes, even though you have some people coming out and saying, oh, I like the liberal policy. I always get concerned when I see, um, you know, a former green leaders or candidates coming out saying we like the liberal policy. There's never been a difference. The Greens and liberals in my time, 2008, Stephanie Young refused to run a candidate against Elizabeth May when she ran in, um, in uh, Peter McKay's riding uh, in, uh, in Nova Scotia. Uh, the Liberals and the Greens are, are joined at the hip. So make no mistake, uh, they're irrelevant. And uh, I'm glad to see that they may actually come someday where they finally throw the towel in and put ahead, put put the charade away in the next election, run green, red signs, because it's the same thing. Uh, having said that, the NDP is still uh, more of a threat now than it's been since uh, at least 2015. And I suspect that's because 21 or 22 percent uh, clearly about a third of that is coming from very soft, disaffected liberal voters um, who may be upset with Trudeau or have good reason to think uh, Jagmeet Singh is the greatest thing since sliced bread. The reality, however, for, for most is uh, we come back to that point about, uh, you know, uh, it's all fun and games about spending money that we don't have and coming up with these wonderful ideas. Uh, but not to use a Margaret Thatcher, uh, you know, <laughs> the problem with uh, socialism is, of course, sooner or later, you run out of other people's money. Okay, the uh, election debate is going to be broadcast on global news and across all kinds of TV networks. 
It's going to be on the radio network. The formula is always a moderator, journalist question, leader, leader debate, all that stuff. But there's always a question from a voter. Now, you're a formal liberal MP, Pickering Ajax, uh, that East Scarborough and that area down there. So let me ask you this question. Now that you're a civvy like the rest of us, if you were given the opportunity with your history um, as a former liberal, as you know, where you are today in politics, I don't care. Take it where you want, Dan. What would be your question in the debate that you would ask? Uh, there would be a lot. If I had to have just one, it would be now that we have a better understanding that the real uh, challenge ahead of us uh, is the reconstruction of the economies uh, and to uh, continue to re, re, uh, uh, re-up where we were prior to the COVID. What is your plan to reignite uh, our economy and to grow our economy? And if uh, some of them say, well, it's about, you know, climate or whatever, then you'll know what their agenda is. But I think the question would be revealing. It would simply say, what do you think is the greatest priority facing your constituents right now? And it, I can tell you, it's not climate. It's definitely not climate. But what mm-hmm. it is, uh, other than those who may fear that there's something terrible may happen, but those alarmism aside, uh, it is uh, about the ability for people to make ends meet, uh, to be able to afford to pay for their utilities, put food on the table, and of course, uh, uh, a roof over their heads. And I think that's kind of where I'd, the answer I'd be looking for, because I think that's a sincere answer. I think the rest is hype um, and people uh, uh, you know, playing games with an issue that I think uh, is always going to be there. We can always be concerned about the environment and the climate uh, and the weather. Uh, and in the summer, it gets hot. In the winter, it gets cold. And yes, there are disasters that happen around the world. And our ability to mitigate it has been never, never been better. Nevertheless, um, that's kind of the question I would ask because I would know mm-hmm. who, how deep is the indoctrination in our political discourse that people just automatically respond climate. Because if they're saying that, they're out to lunch. Uh, and they have absolutely no understanding of the fundamentals of the economy uh, maybe it does concern me that in the context of climate or those who answer climate, they don't want to talk about foreign affairs, in particular China and other countries who are thumbing their nose at uh, other countries who are perhaps trying to make headway in that, in that regard. The most fundamental concern of Canadians is the ability to have a better life for themselves and for their children and to be able to get ahead and do better than this generation has done. And that to me is the Canadian dream. And it's quickly being confused uh, and sullied, and I would expect, uh, you know, distorted uh, by those who think that it is something else. Uh, Look, I have no problem with the environment, but I've heard this in 2008. I heard it in in 1997. I heard it uh, in in 1972 and 78 when we were going into a colder period. Um, That's not to say that this should be the only issue to me. I think the priority for Canadians is uh, is managing our economy, managing our expectations. Who the hell is going to pay down the debt we've incurred? Because those things are not going to be uh, easily uh, addressed, and they are certainly not going to be responsibly addressed without growth in the economy. And you can't have that by basically taking, as my granddad would say, dropping your drawers and crapping on the economy, especially the oil and gas sector and the manufacturing sector, with trending new thoughts on how to. Uh, you know, how to uh, make it impossible for those uh, industries uh, to uh, continue to benefit Canadians as they have. So I can't talk you into running again, eh? No matter what I do. Definitely not. (laughs) All right. No, it's over. I I keep keep trying. You know, you can can have the best ideas in this world when it comes down to it. 
I don't yeah. like your leader. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, yeah. I get that. I get that. You know what, though? People who say that are right today because it is all about the leader. The member of parliament means absolutely squat. Make no mistake. When you put your ex beside the name of that person, that person has no choice in the direction of the policy of this country. It's a handful of people around the prime minister. In my time, the member of parliament could actually make a difference. This one did. Uh, at the end of the day, though, it still came down to <coughs> do the nasal. I don't like mm-hmm. your leader. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and that's what it is. I don't even know why they put their pictures on the signs uh, these days. <laughs> Perfect for the because why? Well, yeah, because why? Why bother? Like, save yourself the money on the photographers. Sorry, photographers. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't make sense to me. Um, so I was given this question once about sales. I was talking to a, a guy who was a general manager at a big company, and we were just out for lunch, and and he said he was trying to find a salesperson. I said, well, who are you going to put in there? He says, well, I have one very simple question that I always ask a new sales rep, and what's the number one reason that you're here? And if the answer isn't money then I'm not going to hire you because that's your job is to go make the money. So I translate this whole conversation into business because that's where I feel more comfortable. And I always do go to this, this one place where I say, okay, if you, if the, if you get hired to come in and I hired Dan McTagg to come in and say, Dan, the business is losing money. We're going to be bankrupt in 18 months. If we don't fix it, this is what we're looking at. I need you to, I need you to, what are you going to do? And if your answer to that is, well, First, I'm going to change the sign, and then we're going to plant a garden in the back uh, and sell some vegetables. Uh, that's that's wonderful, but we need to start talking about staff and products and services and pricing and everything that we're doing in order to make that money. And you you can translate that to a trucking company. You can translate that to I know we have a, you know the bakeries listen at nighttime because they're creating their products. You can translate that to taxi drivers. You can translate that to any salesperson or executive who's getting up in the morning and listening to us. The reality is, there has to be a solution that's actually going to create a solution. And so, you know, we we have to answer those questions. And and I find all of this mind-blowing i'm curious where this is going to go so i really appreciate your insight and we will find out more um or i guess we're going to find out more quickly aren't we absolutely and times uh we're just uh a few hours away so we'll see what happens tonight and we will touch base with dan mctague again very soon and get his insights because we are a week and a half away from the election which feels way too fast way too close but also oh my god make it end <laughs> at the same time. It's confusing. <laughs> We're back I can't at imagine 16 like. months, so it doesn't matter. Here we go. Yeah. Let me ask you one last question before we go, Dan, is that um, what makes a good debater win tonight? What should we watch for? Is it confidence? Is it actually answering a question? Is it uh, tiptoeing around those talking points? What does a good debater do to win? Uh, a debater is uh, confident of their uh, platform and can articulate their platform. Uh, and can avoid the uh, the sniping while at the same time delivering, you know, I think uh, a much higher brow response. If you can do that, and I suspect that the only person who's going to be capable of doing that is, uh, to a large extent, uh, uh, Aaron O'Toole, to a lesser extent, um, Jagmeet Singh. Um, but it's unfortunate that uh, some people are in. There should be a lot more people in that debate. Uh, I, I have no, no qualms in saying that uh, uh, the PPC's leader... Max Bernier should have also been there. The fact that he is not uh, at a time when I think it's pretty clear that the uh, that party is going to get a lot more votes than the Green Party will um, suggest to me that uh, it's time to revisit the formula. And parties that do well, parties that have candidates, parties that meet the criteria should also be the parties invited to the debate. 
the more the merrier. Give people more choice, not less. Uh, and you know, stop trying to make this an institution between three or four select parties that have the stamp of approval. These Canadians are sick and tired of uh, of those uh, those kind of sh- uh, shenanigans. Well, anime Paul, I don't know if you ever heard her speak to uh, the listeners, but boy, oh boy, you want to talk about someone? I I don't agree with the policies and the things, but I can. She's a great speaker, yeah. and she knows what she's talking about, and she believes in whether you and I agree with it doesn't yeah. matter. She believes in what she's talking about, and uh, I do look forward to hear what she has to say to take some of these other folks into account. She'll be there, and uh, we'll see if it turns things around. Hope springs eternal. <laughs> Dan McTagg, thanks, brother. Good to be here. Thanks, Shane. Cheers. It's the Shift Podcast. Let's in. Uh, let's bring in Blaine Kylo here. Technological world and Blaine Kylo solocore.com, S O L O C O R P S dot com, and on the Twitter as solocore as well. Blaine Kylo, do you have your uh, fidget spinner style thing that you keep around your desk, or is the, the digital gaming your jam only? No, I actually have fidget spinners that I will use. But hey, can, so can you solve that Rubik's Cube, or is it just something you spin? No, I can solve yep. it. Yeah, you just I mean you just you just showed it there and it's not solved. So okay. that presumes that it is solvable. I do I remember when they came out and mm-hmm. I actually had to get a book to figure out how to solve it. And I can mm-hmm. still remember how to do two of the three layers, but I never did memorize the last step. The last one? It gets it's good. I it's a great exercise. I, I do it one of the reasons why I love it is because I do suffer from some stiffness in my hands, some We've got some arthritis in the family, nothing sort of mega bad, just sort of a slow erosion of the old motor skills. So what I do is I just keep, you know, keep my hands moving when I'm sitting here during the show in an attempt to, you know, keep things, keep things alive and well. And I recommend it to anybody. Like, go get it because there's all kinds of YouTube videos and even Rubik's.com has their own examples on how to do it. And then you just sort of work on speed and time and try to build it out so you can finish it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Good for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, although what I tell you, one of my favorites was when I worked at Q107 in Calgary, they had a Rubik's Cube that had like album covers on each side, oh. the Beatles and Pink Floyd and all that stuff. And That's that took one. forever to figure it out, but did manage to figure that out. I was very proud of that. So pass it on. Okay. Let's get into the digital gaming with Blaine Kylo. Where shall we go to get started with the digitals? Well, let's talk about old things becoming new again, because one of the things that happens when we get into a new console generation is games that maybe still have life in them, but people forget, or um, there's an opportunity for companies to make money on games that they already made money on. And that's where all these remasters come from, right? Nintendo is, is genius at this. Um, I think Nintendo maybe has released five new games for the Switch and everything else is a remaster of other games that they've had on other Nintendo devices and people buy them again and again and again, in part because the games are so great, but also because Nintendo is very clever um, in making it easy for people to purchase games again. We're in a new console generation here. 
we're seeing the same thing happen and another game uh, is getting a remaster. This one is actually quite interesting called Alan Wake and it's a good one. It's coming from Finnish studio Remedy Games. Um, the remaster is being supported by Epic, uh, the company that is behind Fortnite. And while the original game was an Xbox 360 exclusive and it was ported to Windows a couple of years later, the remaster is going to be available for everything. So PS4, PS5, also Windows, and on the Xbox uh, One and Xbox Series X and S. Um, remaster means that they're not changing the gameplay they're not changing any of the mechanics but they're redoing all of the visuals and so we're going to be able to take advantage of some of this 4k um, pictures in terms of the gameplay the 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 latest game from remedy is actually called control and it's it's one of my favorites of the past couple of years it's an action adventure it's set in the in what's called the oldest house a house that is bigger on the inside than it appears on the outside, a house that people walk by without even realizing are there, and all these weird things happen inside this house. It is very Twin Peaks, the Mm. control game is. And Alan Wake is also very Twin Peaks. The game's writer and creative director, Sam Lake, peppered that game with all kinds of really overt references to the David Lynch, Mark Frost vehicle. Um, It takes place in the Pacific Northwest. The main character, Alan Wake, is himself a writer. There's all kinds of playing around with meta story and things like that. What's real, what's not, dimensions. It's very Twin Peaksy. really good storytelling. Uh, I'll play Alan Wake again. And it comes out, in fact, this fall. A specific release date hasn't been announced, but um, it'll be here before Christmas. Cool. That sounds fun. It does look very mysterious, if you could judge a game by the cover. That's for sure. It, it's Marvel... got a really good, me- it, it's got Go a good mechanic, no, too, because mm-hmm. it, it, the, the combat is... It, it, you're trying to fight off the darkness, and the combat really is light. So you can only be protected and be saved from the darkness taking you out if you can get to a source of light. So you're navigating from pools of light that are being created by street lamps or, you know, porch lights. You've got to try and preserve the batteries in your flashlight because that's what you're going to use to fight the darkness when it comes after you is shining a flashlight at them. Really interesting mechanics in that game, too. A little bit different. I like it. Marvel, Future Revolution, action role-playing to your smartphone. Brendan, hit it. Even when things look the darkest, when all hope is lost, some folks just don't know when to give up. They keep on fighting against all odds. Oh, there's a little pew pew in there. Yeah, sounds like Sam Jackson. Not actually Sam Jackson, but an actor, a voice actor who does a pretty credible uh, imitation. This is a really interesting thing, and it's happening more and more in mobile. We've got Call of Duty on your mobile device now, and it is arguably as good as Call of Duty on a console. 
Um, and now we've got Marvel coming to your smartphone. Marvel Future Revolution is an action role-playing game. You take on the role of a whole bunch of different superheroes. They're blending them all together here. The idea is, is that there is a new Earth that's called Primary Earth that is the result of a whole bunch of other Earths dimensions converging into one so you it gives them the license to sort of smash together all the different marvel universes so you've got storm showing up with black widow and captain american captain and marvel and spider-man and star lord and all of these characters that are kind of in their own places in the comic world coming together in this game and you get to play all of them it's a free-to-play game my only issue I mean, and on the iPhone 12 that I use, it looks great because the graphics can be so good on these devices. But when you're playing on a phone, you still have to use the touch interface. And I still cannot, for the life of me, figure out how I'm supposed to see the screen when my fingers are all over it, trying to touch to make things happen. And that's why... As cool as these role-playing games can be and these action games can be on a smartphone, for me, it just doesn't really work. I need a controller. I need the controls to be away from the screen. It's just too much happening on there for me to be able to make it work. But I've got to say, for a free-to-play game on a smartphone, uh, it's got a lot of style. It looks pretty cool. Gaming with playing Kylo at SoloCore on Twitter. Free football this weekend. Yeah, the NFL season opens tomorrow. CFL, of course, is already underway. And EA Sports is celebrating by giving everybody who doesn't already own Madden NFL 22 uh, a chance to play for free this weekend. So starting tomorrow evening and right through the weekend, you can play the football sim on any of the devices that it is available. So PS4 and 5, Stadia, Windows, your various Xbox devices, one of the new things in NFL 22 is what they call dynamic game day. The whole idea is that they're they're actually taking information from the actual games that are happening live and funneling that information into the game that you're playing almost real time. And so you're getting as simulated an experience as possible. And they've also got this thing called um, home field advantage now. So each team has got some kind of an advantage when they're playing at home. So the New York teams, for example, either the Giants or the Jets, the opposing teams in those stadiums will fatigue faster than the Jets or Giants players. And each one of the NFL teams has got something that they get as an advantage when you're playing them at home. We're in overtime. Blaine Kylo, solocore.com with us here. Uh, didn't you go up to Whistler with your family this week? Was that the plan? Yeah, it was a long weekend before school started. An opportunity to just get outside for a couple of days, have some fun, turn off. Played, uh, played some disc golf, rode some nice. bikes, swam in the lake. Love it. I love it. Yeah, what it a beautiful a place to go. Uh, yeah. Everyone in Canada needs to go spend some time in Whistler, of course, uh, when it's, you know, when they're comfortable going to Whistler. That's for sure. All right. Uh, technology. What can we uh, do? Where can we go here, Blaine Kylo, with the solo core technological world and some gadget geekery? Well, I'm going to give you three words. Regionally, horn, pointer. Now, with those three words, 
you can pinpoint within three meters the exact spot where I was on Friday morning throwing discs with my kids. Cool. And that's because of this really cool thing called What Three Words. This is a group out of the UK. What they've done is they've taken the entire planet, the entire surface of Earth, and they've divvied it up into three square meter squares. And for each of these three meter squares, they have assigned a combination of three words. And what you can do is it's, it's a tool for navigation. Now I know you've got street addresses and you've got coordinate systems and all those kinds of things. And those are all well and good, but I can give you the street address of Stanley park and you're not going to find me in Stanley park because it's a really big place and there aren't streets going all the way through it. I can also give you the street address of, uh, the saddle dome in Calgary, but you're not going to be able to find me at the saddle dome, even if you have the street address. You can have coordinate systems, but unless you have a brain for those kinds of numbers, and unless you have a tool that can help you use coordinate systems, you're not going to find me in any of those places either. But if you can remember three words, you can plug those into the What Three Words app or website and know exactly where somebody is if that's where they've told you they're going to be. This That's is an amazing. entirely new way of navigating and uh, making sense of the world that we live in. That is cool. So if I went to, um, uh, I just pick a random neighborhood that is close to uh, Melanie's in Ottawa. Uh, don't pick Melanie's, Shane. <laughs> and I pick one square. There it is. Hazel Whitewash Eats. So if you were to go there and you were to go Hazel Whitewash Eats, you will find that nine meter square cube in front of one of the three, houses. Th three, three square meters. Three square Not meters, nine. yeah. Yes. Nine, nine cubes, nine square, three, three square meters. It's, it's, right. it's, it's not, it's not a three, it's not three by three equals nine ah. square meters. It's a, it's a three square meter. So I'm not doing that math. No, that's too much work. Uh, enforce dodgy fills. That's cool. What a great way to direct somebody to where are you? Just go here, enter in these three words. You're going to find literally exactly where we are. Exactly. And because this is all predefined, it means that you can actually use it even if you don't have a cell signal because that database is already defined. And it, once that database is loaded into your phone, you can use the compass system in your smartphone and the database from what three words to be able to navigate to somebody. So it, it's a fantastic thing. It's actually being used by a lot of different emergency agencies because you can't target or pinpoint somebody with a cell phone, but if you know what the what three words coordinate system they're at, you can actually pinpoint somebody. So if they're out in the wilds of Ontario or lost in Kananaskis, you can actually use what three words to find the people you're looking for. So Ontario Parks is using this, Manitoba Forestry is using this to pinpoint problem um problem trees that are out there in that space. Um, and car manufacturers are getting in on this too. So the new Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross is the first car that actually has 
the what three words database in its navigation system so you can actually start using this in your mitsubishi eclipse cross to go where you need to go and you just have to remember the three words it's so simple that's neat it is neat because it, it, if you're having a picnic, for example, or you're camping, you can say, here's where you go. That's so cool. Exactly. And yeah. it's a lot better than uh, like geocaching one, two, four, one, two, one point four, one point, whatever, whatever's. It is. It, and now you can get really precise with the coordinate system, but you've got to remember all of those numbers. I would rather find you in a three meter square space. Mm. Um, it's easier for me to remember three words and find you in that square because I don't know how much more precise we need to be than three meters. Yeah. Yeah. I totally and, get it. And it's available in like 47 different languages too. And oh, really? so what they've done is each, and it's not like a translation, each square has got three words in each of the different languages. So if you're using Thai, it's three original Thai words describe the same square as the square that I would use English words for. Oh, that's very cool. Um, we're just out of time, so we're going to have to save Galaxy Buds if you're looking for headphones for next week here on The Shift with Blaine Kylo, solocore.com if you want to check out his uh, website and blogs and solocore on the Twitter for his tweets as well. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll get a Frisbee golf photo. Thanks, Blaine. See you in a week. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.